Praise God. Would you turn with me, please, in your Bibles to the book of Romans, chapter 12, very quickly. Romans, chapter 12. You're okay this morning? Can you say it just once like you mean it so that I I need you to be okay this morning? Amen. And have a look with me. You know the scripture, but just have a look with me anyway in verse 1. And it says, I beseech you, therefore, brethren, by the mercies of God, that you present your bodies a living sacrifice, holy, acceptable unto God, which is your reasonable service. So what does God deal with in the first verse? Your body. That's right. It's important. Well, my body's unimportant, really. Oh, it is. It's the Pastor Nancy says it's the greatest asset you have. It is, yeah. Because if you don't keep your body, you'll die. And then you can't fulfill the plan of God. So he says, listen, you present your body as a living sacrifice. That means uh, how you treat your body matters to God. So that's the body. Then the second verse, he talks about your mind. Your body first, then your mind. Have a look. And be not conformed to this world. Be not conformed. That word conformed, it means to fashion or to mold. They're trying to mold you. Everything is trying to mold you. Do you understand? The music videos. Your friends and whoever else is on all these social media platforms, everybody is trying to give their opinion. Whether you believe it or not, they're trying to mold you. CNN is trying to mold you. The movies are trying to mold you. Our government is trying to mold you. The school system is trying to mold you. They're trying to tell children that uh, if you feel like a cat today, you can be a cat. No, it's not. It's a truth. If you feel like you're a boy, but you're not, it's okay. You see, the whole system is trying to mold. And what does God say? He says, don't be conformed, but what's the solution? Be transformed, that's metamorphosis, like a caterpillar to a butterfly, by the renewing of your mind. And if you renew your mind, you'll know what the will of God is, ultimately the perfect will of God. How do you renew your mind? With the Word. You don't just read your Word when you come to church. You should have a desire for the Word Monday, tonight, this afternoon, uh, tomorrow morning, Tuesday morning at 11 o'clock, whatever, I'm telling you, there should be a general hunger for the Word. And if there isn't, how do you get that hunger? Just start reading it, and a hunger will start to bubble and build inside you. The Word is what changes the way you think. The world wants you to think this way about money, but the Word says think that way about money. The world wants you to think this way about sex, but the Word of God says this way about sex. You have to make a decision. The world says treat people this way when they abuse you. And the Bible says treat people that way. Do you understand? Everything we're facing, the world's got the opposite to what the Bible says. And so it's trying to fashion and conform us. And yet we come to church, not just to see friends, although friends are a big part of it, not just to worship, that's a huge part of it, not just to bring tithes and honor God and serve, but we come for the word primarily. People that get offended and leave and they go to a church that doesn't teach anything and the, most churches today don't really teach much. I'm not just trying to be mean, I'm being honest with you. Uh, it, it's, it's a lot of fluff about how you feel. There's nothing wrong with teaching that to a measure, but we've got to teach you how to think, not just how to feel. Because the world don't care how you feel. The world cares about how you think. And they want you to think their way. And God wants you to think His way. Because if you think His way and you get your mouth hooked up with godly thoughts... You can change your future. You can have victory in your life. So we're here to teach you the word so that you understand how God wants you to think. Are you with me? Now, I spent some time, I'm just trying to give you an overview because sometimes when you do a series, a lot happens in a week. 
and then you forget kind of what happened in the previous service. So I'm just trying to give you an overview. We're talking about the Adam design. This is part four. But the overview is I shared with you on the first part a lot about that you're, you're in the world, but you're not of this world. Because if you, if you, you got to separate your mindset that I'm different to them. When you go into work, you've got, to, you've got to see yourself as different. Not as better, although in some ways you are, because you're God's child. So that does make you better. But not with an, uh, an elevated attitude of arrogance where you look down on people. That's not the right way to be. But what I'm saying is you've you, you got you to go and realize that I'm different. And because I'm different, some of the things that they say, I'm not going to agree with. Some of the things that they may ask me to do, I'm not in agreement. When I was in customs, I was put in the pornography department for a season because they rotate the officers. And I had to look at, well, they told me, your job is to look at all the stuff that comes in the country that is not just pornography, but that is excessive, extreme pornography uh, with animal stuff and, and, and fathers abusing their daughters and all this kind of sick, sick stuff. And, and my job was to watch that so I could determine by a checklist if it was okay to release to the person that had ordered it or if we had to send a team over there to arrest them and put them in prison. That was my job. And uh, I, I, I didn't even go in the room. Because I know what the other officers have told me. Some of them are sick perverts too. That's why on their break, they're all in that porn room watching the stuff uh, even when they're on their break. Listen, people are people. I don't care whether they've got a badge or not. If Jesus ain't in your life and you yield to temptation and you yield, I don't care who you are, you can walk in filth. And so I said to the boss, I'm not doing that. She says, yes, you are. I looked at her and I said, no, I ain't. She said, I'm going to fire you. I said, bring it. Right. Like, you better know God's with you when you say that kind of stuff because they will fire you. Yeah. I said, you can't fire me. Yes, I can. I said, no, you can't. I said, because the Muslims, you let get their little mat out and pray. Yeah. And I said, I'm a Christian and I don't let my eyes look at that filth. Yeah. That's your job. I said, I don't care if it's my job. Give me a different job. Yeah. I'm going to fire you. I said, I'll take you to the Supreme Court and I'll win. I mean, I had to stand up for myself, but God was with me. And she escalated it to her manager above her and I had to go before them and I had to say, on conscience grounds, I refuse to look at this. And if you want to push me, I will go to the Star newspaper. I will go to CBC. I will go because there's a lot of people that agree with me. Just because you guys don't have any morals doesn't mean I don't have any morals. <clears throat> and I understand that we have to protect society. Let somebody else look at that. I won't let my eyes see that thing. I'm saying sometimes you, they tell you to do stuff and you've got to know where the line is. They may say, you know what, hide this money or cheat here or don't do this. Or, we want to take advantage of this. You've got to know where to just say, okay, it's not worth losing my job. You know, you check your heart and you've got to know when to stand up. Because they're trying to conform us all the time. And we are not like them. We don't think we shouldn't think like them. We shouldn't talk like them. That's what I'm trying to talk about. You're in the world, but you're not of the world. And you've got to start seeing yourself as different. Not better, but different. But you are better because you're a child of God. But not in an arrogant way better. Just more fortunate. I'm a covenant man. You're not. Your daddy's got horns. My daddy don't. Your daddy got a forked tongue. My daddy don't. Are you with me? So we're talking about that, and, and then I shared a little bit about how what you, what you your, your speech matters. Because the number one way you tell people apart is how they talk. 
Then last week we spent quite a bit of time talking about not blending. Do you remember we talked about how the, the, those leaders, it matters if your leader is blending. Because the ten, the ten spies blended. And they led everybody into a ditch. And Jesus said, if the blind lead the blind, both fall in the ditch. It matters, I'm telling you. It ma- Listen to me. It does not matter as much who your boss at work is, but it does matter who your pastor is. Because your boss at work is trying to conform you, but in most cases, they're not doing anything wrong. You just have to think the way that that business runs. But they may try to get you to do wrong things, but they're, not a, they're somebody you submit to, but they're not a divine voice in your life. They're a voice, and you submit to them, and you do your work as unto the Lord, not unto them, but they're not divine. There is a divine and there's a natural. They're a natural, but the natural is always less than the divine. The divine voice for your life matters more than your natural voice. Are you listening to me? Because that divine voice will bring answers from God's word and from God's spirit and it will change the way you think. So that when you go out in the natural world, you can handle that properly. So it matters that we don't have 10 spies leading us. It matters that we have two. You should be grateful that we have the spirit of faith. You should be grateful that I have the spirit of faith because I, I, and I see things right. I'm not perfect. I got a long way to go, but I do see things in general the right way with faith and with the spirit of faith. And I'm not going to yield. I'm not going to bow to them. I will not bow to them. I feel like I'm Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego, Rack, Shack, and Benny. You remember them from the old Testament. I feel like just call me Rack. I, I, I just feel like I'm Shaq. That, that sounds better. Just call me Shaq. You're going to bow. You're going to bow or I'm going to kill you. The Canadian government says, you're going to do this or we're going to put you in prison. We're going to bow. There is no thought to be given to the answer to that question. I don't have to think about it. I don't have to have a board meeting. The answer is, if you choose to let us go, we're still not bowing. And if you choose to put us in the fiery furnace, our God will deliver us. That's the spirit of faith. That looks at a man in authority, but the man doesn't think right. And the ones that are underneath his authority, but think right with the spirit of faith say, this is what we're going to do. And God's going to back us up. And if you don't like it, talk to God. That's what I did at customs. And I won. (laughs) Hallelujah. Sometimes you have to do that. You have to stand up for things. But there is a conforming pressure that is on us and we can't blend. We're not called to blend. If you want to blend, you're in the wrong business. Because Christianity today, more than ever before, is a non-blended religion. We're not like, we're going, we're the salmon that's going upstream. And there are ravenous bears that are trying to catch us as we jump. Have you seen those pictures? Uh, We are going against a flow. And you can't get tired, my brother and sister, because there's nowhere to go back to. What are you going to go back to, filth? When there was pressure on, on, on Peter and the disciples and Jesus had preached a sermon that they didn't have enough respect to listen and even ask questions. They thought he was talking about cannibalism. Jesus ain't no cannibal. But he's trying to tell them, I'm about to shed my blood and break my body for you. And if you don't receive my sacrifice, you don't have eternal life. But he's saying it in a way that they don't understand because he said, if you don't eat me and drink me, you know, you're, and they're like, what is going on? They don't even have time to wait. Danzo, they didn't even have respect to wait and say, could we have a Q&A? Yeah. What exactly are you talking about drinking your blood? Jesus would have explained it. No, they just got offended and walked out of his service. Jesus lost people in his service. Yes. Yes. <laughs> and, and I'm sure he felt it. Because he had emotions. And then Jesus looked at Peter and, and said, you're going to go too? 
So he's giving them a chance. You want to get offended with me too? You want to get offended? Are you listening, brothers and sisters, with my word? Because you can come here and get offended with what I'm preaching. When I tell you that you, how, how, you're, how, you, how you treat your sex life matters to God, you can get offended saying, I'll do whatever I want. When I talk to you about your money, that's a very personal thing. You can get offended with that. When I talk to you about letting things go and forgiving, you can get upset with that. When I talk about racism, you can get upset with that. When I talk about serving, you can get upset with that. But I'm a CEO, right. But in the kingdom of God, you're nothing. You're a servant. So do that toilet and shut up. David Hogan told me that there's a church in New York City and there are, there's a general in the army that goes to that church. There's a CEO on Wall Street that goes to that church. And that pastor, when those people highfalutin coming, the first thing he says to them is, you're on toilet duty. And if they can't handle it, they leave. Because he said, I don't want no, no CEO in my church thinking they're better than somebody else. And in the kingdom of God, we all start low. We all start as a servant. And the greatest of all, Jesus said, is the servant of all. So there is no highfalutin thing that can't pick up a piece of trash. They can't vacuum the chairs. See, in the world, they have a different way. But in our flow, God's is humility. God's is servanthood. Praise God. We think different because we are different. And we don't blend. And it matters what church, it matters what leader, because that divine association, if they don't see things right, they will lead you into a ditch. But if we see things right, we'll lead you into the promised land. And that's what I was hammering last week, that it matters, and it matters that your leader, like me and others, uh, that, that other churches, other people in other churches, it matters that their pastor submits to somebody. Yes. It matters that I'm not a rogue, yes. that I'm not a lone wolf, that I don't think that I'm the be-all and end-all. That's why I submit to other people in my life. I let them correct me. I let them say things to me that don't always feel good, but you know what? I have, if I'm going to be a man that has authority, Jesus said, you have to be one that comes under authority. If you can't come under authority, you'll never get authority yourself. It matters who our leaders are. And that's why one of the leaders is coming next week. It matters you pay attention because she's like your grandparent. Spiritually, I'm, I'm over you, but she's over me. That makes her like a spiritual grandparent. And when the grandparent shows up, you shut your mouth and listen. Amen. Because the grandparents live longer than you. Yes, amen. And they know more they than know you. More. And instead of just not showing up because there's too many people and I don't know, I don't come early to get a seat. That's laziness. You show up because of honor. I'm not trying to press you. I'm just trying to say, because there's, work, there's things you'll get that you can't get watching live stream. There's, there's things that only come when you're in that physical room, in that physical presence, and there's impartations that go into you. Why do I know that? Because Paul said in Romans 1, I, longed, I, the minister, has to see you so I can impart to you gifts to the end that you may be established. He didn't have live stream, but if he did, he would have said, I can't see you. You, you only can see me. I need to see you. I've got to be there in person with you. So it matters, Jenny, that we don't blend. Hallelujah. I'm not blending. You're, you're, I feel for you because I'm not in your roles. I'm not in your jobs. But, but my heart, I've been having compassion for this congregation lately because the Lord's been dealing with me and say, son, I'm trying to tell you why I'm preaching this because the Lord was getting over to me. Son, they're in a pressure cooker every day. Their children are in pressure cookers every day. They are bombarded from every side. Well, on the news, on the school, on the job, on the government, it is a constant coming at them. And you've got to remind them that there's no, there's no turning back. When Jesus said, you're going to leave me too, what did Peter say? Where are we going to go? 
Where are we going to go? We may not have understood your sermon. We ought to see everybody else leaving from your sermon. But where are we going to go? Because we know you have the words of life. And if I don't understand everything, I'm smart enough to recognize there's life. And I'm going to stay put until I can figure out what that life means. Don't get easily offended because it matters where you go and what they're teaching because we're in a war. There is a constant pressure. And, and sometimes we're, I, 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 even me, I'm in this bubble. Everything's, but but I, the Lord recently spoke to me. He said, your congregation is being bombarded and battered from all sides. Remind them they're, not, they're in this world, but they're not of it. Remind them not to blend. Remind them that as a leader of like you, the two, you're going to take them into a promise that if they'll just stay with you and not be like the ones that quit on Jesus, because there's life, there's life. Praise God. The word is life. I'm just a conduit of it, but the word is life. The Holy ghost is life. And he's going to take us into a promised land. If we'll just decide I'm in the world, but I'm not of it. I'm not them. I may be around them. I might look like them. I might dress like them, but I'm not them. I'm different. I'm a covenant man. I'm a covenant woman. I'm a covenant child. I think differently. I talk differently. I think differently. And when problems come, I have answers. Amen. When they don't know what to do, I can help That's them. Right. That's right. When their child's having seizures, I've got an answer. When they've got a fever, I've got a solution. When they're afraid and they're de depressed and want to kill themselves, I have something to offer them that no psychiatrist on no couch can offer because I've got life. There's life inside me. What was that man recognizing that wrote us, that, that blessed us financially? What was he sensing? He doesn't know what to call it. He doesn't understand the terminology or the Christianese. But what he's sensing is life. There's something different. Why? He's sensing the life of God and the anointing of God coming out of me. And I'm not even preaching. I'm just talking like normal. And unlike some people, I'm not a witnessing machine. I don't just go around telling everybody everything. You may think I do, but I don't. I don't unless the Holy Ghost tells me to. Because I've learned that if you do it outside, that don't work anyway. So I'm just a normal person. They don't know that I'm any different at all. Sometimes they don't even know until they ask my email and I have to say, Pastor Craig, at promise of life. And then they know who I am. But a lot of the times, I don't even tell people, but they can just sense it. You know how many people have said, I don't know what it is about you. Right. Well, do I annoy you? No, I, something about you. I don't know what it is about you. Huh? Would you want to know? Well, yeah, that's Jesus. Amen. You're sensing life because you live in death. And I can help you, but you're going to have to give your life. Well, I don't want to give my life. Well, then enjoy your death. But if you give your life, the life of God will come into you. Change everything. Change everything. Change everything. Hallelujah. They should sense something different about us. If you're cussing at work, how can they tell that you're different? If you're always late and you're stealing paper clips, how do they tell you're different? You're just a thief like everybody else there. Character matters when you're a Christian. It matters. It matters. It matters to God. Because remember, you're working for Jesus. You're not working for your boss. Bible says, do your work as unto the Lord. So when you're late, Jesus notices. When you steal stuff, Jesus notices. It matters. See, because we're different. We're not like the sinner. Hallelujah. Praise God. I don't mean to get on you. I'm just, I just, uh, uh, the Holy Ghost said, talk to them about being different. They're different. They're being bombarded, but they're different. There's nowhere else to go. The, the words of life is in my word. We're not blending. Hallelujah. 
Now, have a look with me, please. It's so important that you understand your job in this world. 2 Thessalonians 2.7. Have a look quickly with me there. It's 11.33. You only have 27 more minutes to enjoy. To either endure or enjoy. You can pick. Mary Chris is going to endure, but Nigel is going to enjoy. I'm just kidding. <laughs> 2 Thessalonians, we're different, my brother and sister. I, kept, I just, I, I just roll, rolls and rolls around. I can't get rid of it. I've got to tell you that you're different. You're different. You need to see yourself as different. <laughs> when they're talking about the gas prices, you're different. What do I say? Tell them what you tell me. Don't be a hypocrite. Weren't you worried about the gas prices? Not in the least. What, do you think you're better than me? I don't think I'm better than you. I think I'm different than you. Well, what's so different about you? Uh, I have a supply. What are you talking about? I know God. You don't. Maybe if you know God, you wouldn't talk so fearful all the time. Gas prices could go to $10 a liter. I have a supply. God will find a way to get it over to me. Because he's not going to let me go under because some Arab sheik over there decides to rip me off. Or some government official decides to steal money. He's not going to let me go under. I have a supply. I don't understand that. That's because you don't go to church. Don't ask me any more questions until you've come to church for six months. Then you can ask me more questions. Because I can't explain to an unrenewed mind what I believe in my heart. It's doctrine that you cannot even comprehend. All you need to understand right now is that your dad's got horns and my dad doesn't. And if you want to receive Jesus, you'll come into that kingdom out of darkness and delight. And then you can start thinking differently. You've got to have fun with people. You've got to say stuff like that to them. At customs, I would say I've got an alien power in my hand. And they look at me, really? Because they believe in aliens. I said, it's not your aliens with the little pointy heads. I said, it's the power of God. You need sickness, I'll pray for you. And I would pray for people that get healed. And they couldn't believe it. See, because I'm a light. You've got to be a light. You've got to think differently. Now have a look at this. Greg, this is your job. I'm going to read your job description now. Let me just make sure I got the right verse here. Second Thessalonians 2, 7. Okay. Uh, You know what? I'm going to read this. (laughs) This is Greg's job. This is Greg's job. Second Thessalonians. I'm going to read it from the Amplified because it's a little hard to understand from the King James. Second Thessalonians chapter two and verse seven. For the mystery of lawlessness, rebellion against divine authority and the coming reign of lawlessness is already at work, but it is restrained. Only until he who now restrains is taken out of the way. I don't think you understand who you are. Second Thessalonians 2, 7 says that the church of the Lord Jesus Christ on the earth is a restraining force so that sin and evil and rebellion does not go unchecked. And you don't even realize that you're actually part of that. But every person that gets born again, that submits to God, that has a prayer life, and that starts to use their Adam-designed dominion, is holding things back. How do you hold things back if you're going with the flow? How do you restrain if you're blending? Your job as a church, our job globally as a church, is to hold things back. Why do you think things do not happen? Sometimes I wonder... You know, it's amazing we don't have more terrorism. It's amazing we don't have more because they're smart. And sometimes I think, Lord, I just say rhetorically, Lord, it's amazing to me 
that the, these people that there's not more problems and I know the government and all their agents and they, they got they got networks and they got a lot of safety things to keep us safe but there's still Dad Hagen always said, thank God for all the people that are doing their job, but it's the church that holds things back. Spiritually, we, with our dominion. And if you, if you listen to Pastor Nancy talk, she can give better examples than I can, about, about how Dad Hagen, because he held such a place in that realm of the spirit, he held such authority in that realm that he would hold things off. And then he started to say, when I go, this is going to happen, that's going to happen, that's going to happen, because that restraining force, even in him, in his office as a prophet, is removed, and, and other people have not paid a price to step up into that area. And the things were going to happen, and everything that he prophesied came to pass, including 9-11 and all the other stuff. It all came to pass. He died after that, but you know what I'm saying. But I love Randy Greer. That's why it matters who you hang out with. Because Randy will look at me and he'll say, the devil's trying to take over. And I'd say, I know Randy. He said, not what I'm here. <laughs> Lauren, I'm telling you, he's easy. <laughs> that Randy, you, you, you get him in the spirit, his eyes flash with the fire of heaven, I'm telling you. Not while I'm here. And he'd say, Craig, they're trying to take over your city, but not while promise of life is there. Your words and your dominion and your praying and your intercession will hold things back in your city. Amen. I'm telling you. Praise God. Amen. There was a man that, that, I, that I read about and he said I was in Hitler's Germany and he said I was in whatever city it was because he would do parades and everything. You know, people loved him and they're high, 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 whatever. He, ho, high, whatever it's called, high something. And, 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 and they would come out by the tens of thousands and they would line the road when he'd come through with the car. And this man was writing an article and he said, I, I was not in agreement with him. This is before World War II. This is in the mid-30s when everybody loved him. I was against him. I did not agree with him. He said, and this is amazing. I've never forgotten this. He said, and, and, there was, and, and I had, went out on my balcony. And, and you know, everybody's on their balcony and the streets are lined because they know the Fuhrer is coming. Yeah. And he said, I'm just standing there to watch. I'm not standing there to cheer. But all my neighbors are cheering and doing the Heil Hitler and everything. And he said, and he, he, his motorcade came around the corner. And he said, when he was about 100, 200 meters away from me, he said, I don't like him. I don't agree with his politics. He said, but something came over me. He said, I've never experienced it before or since. But he said, an aura came over me with a, like, a, like he said, I don't know how to describe it. But for that moment, I loved him. And he said, it, it started to build. They said, it felt like a presence came over me. And that presence was, I couldn't fight it, he said. And it's just, and I don't like him. But as he's coming, I started finding myself going, Heil Hitler! And he's doing this, and he's yelling, and he's saying to himself, why am I doing this? And the motorcade comes, and he says, when he got out of sight, he said, that presence lifted off me. And he said, I thought to myself, what have I just done? I violated my own conscience. You wonder why... Sometimes people have, have, have a sway over a country because with him specifically, there were so many demons with him, working with him, that they would actually overwhelm people. Now, you, can have a, you have a will, you can still say no, but it can become very tantalizing. It's called a seducing spirit. And it can make you want things and even agree with things that you know that you don't even like. And I, I, you wonder why, how people can take over a whole nation because there's demon power working with them. Yes, he was a great orator, but it was more than his ability to speak. He had supernatural power working with him. And I'm telling you, there is that, to a lesser measure, there is that at work in today's society. There are, there are spirits trying to influence people, especially during election time, influence people. And sometimes they don't even know why, but they just, 
I just, I don't know why, but I just want to do this. And then it's like they come to their senses afterward. But the church can hold that back. See, the church in Germany, if you study history, they weren't praying. They weren't praying. They were asleep. This whole book's written about it. The church of Jesus Christ was asleep. And that's because they didn't stand on guard. Our own national anthem says to stand on guard. How many people actually stand on guard for this nation? We have to, we, we hold things back. We can't blend. It matters what you think and how you speak because your assignment is not just your own little life and bubble and retirement. Fine, do all of that. But you're part of a bigger picture, bigger than yourself. And that is a church that prays. A church with dominion that says, devil, you're not taking over while I'm here. You say, but I don't see it look like it happening, Pastor, because everything seems to be going wrong. Well, it'll be going a lot more wrong. And the church in Toronto needs to wake up and, and pray and not pick it. Anyway, I can tell I don't have your full support. So we'll just move on. Hallelujah. Uh, do you know that the word church does not mean building? The word church in Greek means ecclesia, called out ones. We are in this building, but this building we call a church. This is not a church. You are a church. You are the church. The building can disappear. We can go into a field. We can go into the, into the downtown streets. We can go to a ski lodge and we would be the church. The physical building we call, I'm going to church, meaning 140 capital, but that's actually not accurate. You're going to a gathering place where the church meets. You are the church. You are called out ones. Why? Because you're in the world, but you're called outside to think and talk and act with dominion. The church is not 140. The church is you. When you say I'm going to church, what you're really saying is I'm going to see my brothers and sisters. And we have dominion. We can hold things back. The Bible says that we are born, John chapter 3, from above. <laughs> Philippians 3.20 says your citizenship is in heaven. Nothing wrong with being loyal to a country, but our real loyalty is to heaven. Not Canada, Jamaica, America, wherever you're from. That's okay. But our real loyalty is to heaven. Do you understand? As men fight for their country in war, and we respect them on Remembrance Day because they paid a price for our freedom. But as citizens of heaven, our job is to fight heaven's war. And when you stand before Jesus, that's what's going to be handing out medals. Thank you for what you did in the fight. You were a citizen of heaven and you fought for what heaven believed for. And you held back hell. We don't think it right. We're so consumed about Canada and about this moment in time but there is an eternity coming and there's award ceremonies coming and what you do now how you fight for heaven now matters to God because you're a citizen of heaven you're supposed to fight for heaven and it comes tomorrow morning when you're threatened when you try to be conformed open your mouth and speak not in a foolish way but in a righteous way let people know that you're a believer let your family know that you're a believer let yet cousin cousin of yours know that you're a believer. Hallelujah. You know what John 15 said? He said, I chose you. You didn't choose me. Nigel, he chose me. He didn't choose me to look like the, the devil. He chose me to exercise his dominion in this earth. He chose me to be a light. He chose me to be a restraining force. He chose me, Jenny. I am not a loser and neither are you. Maybe you were on the peewee hockey team and nobody chose you. 
This is not the Pee Wee hockey team. This is life, and this is life eternal, and God's chosen you. He's chosen you for a purpose and an assignment in this world, and we are holding things back whether you believe it or not. I don't care what happens. They're not, they're not, they're not, they're not, there's certain things that will not be permitted because of the church in Toronto. <laughs> I know it's hard for people to fathom that because they say, well, who are you? This is just a building. This is just a few hundred people. No, it's more than that. In the spirit realm, we hold sway. In the spirit realm, we hold dominion. We do. We occupy a place and, and things to a measure. The more we grow and develop, the more we submit ourselves unto God, the more that will work for us. The more carnal we are, the more we do what we want to do, the more unfaithful, the more, the more scattered we are, the less that will work for us. And because most churches don't teach right doctrine, that's why their dominion doesn't work for them. They have the right to it, but they won't walk in it because it's just about money. It's about getting large numbers and it's about having lots of money. And that's not the purpose of the church. God wants to bless the church so it grows and it has supply. But that's not why we're here. We're here to preach the word. We're here to get you on board with the word, whether you like it or not. Change the way you think. The word will change the way you think so that you say yes and amen, even if it grows cross threads with your flesh. Are you with me? Hallelujah. It matters. It matters. Hallelujah. It matters. Let me finish off Romans chapter 4, verse 17. You know the scripture, but you gotta, you got to get it so deep on the inside of you. Turn there. If you've got your Bibles, turn with me. Romans 4, 17. As it is written, I have made thee a father of many nations, before whom him whom he believed, even God, who quickens the dead, God raises the dead, and calls those things that be not as though they were. Now, it's not talking about the physical dead, although we know that the physical dead can be raised as well. But God's talking about he quickened Abraham's dead body. Because yes, when you're 99, 100 years old, you can't produce children. And as a woman, your womb can't produce children. Do you understand? God quickened, made alive what was dead in their bodies so that they could fulfill the plan of God. God will quicken or make alive in your life whatever it is that you need in order for you to fulfill the plan of God. But here's the kicker. God himself called them something before they were that something. God called things that be not as though they were. God said, Abraham, you, 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 you got nothing, but I'm going to say you're a father of many. I'm going to change your name. I want you to start saying, my name's Abraham. I'm the father of many. I'm not just honored father. I'm father of many nations. I'm not just Abram. I'm Abraham. I'm not just Sarai. I'm Sarah, the mother. Why? He's calling things that are not yet. Maybe you've got things, Lord, I'm believing for that business. Why don't you start calling things that haven't happened yet as though they already have? Because that's God's way. That's not the world's way. The world talks about what is in reality as it is. God looks at you and says, call things that are not yet as though they already were. Because if you can get over to there, my power will work with your words and I will produce what you're saying. So I call my body healed. Even when it's in pain, I call my budget met, even when it's short. I call my children whole, even when the natural circumstances dictate otherwise. Why? Is that just because we're a name it and claim it? Is that because we're a blab it and grab it? I don't like those phrases because they're demeaning, but uh, there's a truth to them because I do say things and they come to pass. 
And my question to the people that attack us is, why aren't you? Because God wasn't a man. God called things that be not. So if I want to be like God, I have to learn what to say. Do you remember? I'm just trying to help you with this. We're not blending. We're holding things back. We're chosen by God. Why? Because he wants us to demonstrate dominion. In your life, dominion. When your child wakes up in the middle of the night with, with, a, with a nightmare or with a seeping disorder or with a fever, if you go to this church, you should know what to do. You should know what to do. Shouldn't, be, shouldn't freak, freak out. You go over there in the name of Jesus. But if you don't believe, it's not going to work for you. So that's why you have to meditate on the word until you believe it. Lord, I believe that I have dominion. I call those things that be not as though they are. My whole life is calling things that be not as though they are. When I don't see something happening, but you've promised it to me, I'm going to start talking as though it already is. And I'm not denying reality because I'm not calling things that are as though they're not. I'm saying things that are not yet arrived, things that have not yet manifested. I say they're manifesting for me. My business is prospering. My children are increasing. My local church is growing. My mind, if you have memory problems, stop saying you have memory problems. Father, I praise God. Thank God I've got perfect recall. And your friend goes, but you didn't remember what happened last week. Shut up. Get thee behind me, Satan. I don't need you reminding me of what is. I am calling things that are not as though they are. Father, thank you for perfect recall. Father, thank you for that new house that I'm believing you for. Father, thank you for it. Father, I need that promotion. And I just, I just thank you in advance. I, I got that promotion. But you don't have it yet. Yeah, but I'm calling things that haven't happened yet. As though, well, what's weird? Why do you do that? Because God does it. Well, my God doesn't. That's right, because he has horns. But my God does it. My God does it. My God called things that are. He said to Joshua, I've already given you the city. Joshua hadn't even advanced. He hadn't done any of the loops. He hadn't done any of the, you know, the ah, rah, 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 nothing. He's just standing there looking. And the giants are looking under the wall over him. Come on, we're going to eat you for lunch. And Jesus says, I've already given it to you. What are you talking about? You haven't given me anything. You may give it to me in the future. You certainly haven't done anything. No, but that's God's way. I call things as though they've already happened. I've already given it to you. You look at the Old Testament. This is the Old Testament. And you see that pattern all the way through it. God calls things that have not yet happened as though they have. That's God's way of doing it. Now listen, calling demonstrates your dominion. Are you remembering this? And I'm going to close, but stay with me five more minutes. God says to Adam, Adam, I give you, Genesis 1.20, I give you dominion. God didn't have to do that, Taylor. God could have kept the dominion for himself. But instead he said, I'm going to give it to you. He didn't have to do that, Taylor. But because he did, we better use it. Now listen, God can't name the animals. Because he doesn't have dominion in this realm. Now if there's animals in heaven, which they say there are, well, we know there's horses because every one of you is going to get a horse, whether you like it or not. You're coming to stop the Antichrist on a horse. I know that sounds like a fairy tale, but it's true. Lorna, stop laughing because you're going to be on a horse. And the Bible even tells you the color of your horse is going to be white. <laughs> Philippa, you better get ready, sister. Here he is in all his rage and fury, hatred for the Son of God, trying to destroy Israel. On the plains of Megiddo. I've been right there. I know exactly what it looks like. And Jesus is going to come down, my God, on a horse? 
on a horse. I'm going to be right with him. I'm going to kick Benny Hinn off his horse. I'm going to take his place. I'm going to be right there with him. And the Bible says the brightness of his appearance and the word coming out of his mouth. So he's going to speak to that guy and the glory of God. Talk about Moses' face shining that to put a veil over. Can you imagine Jesus's? And his skin, the Bible says, if you study it in the Greek, it says his skin melts off his body, the Antichrist, just at looking at Jesus. Jesus don't have to have the angels. I mean, I'll be ready there to, Lord Jesus, if you need help, I'm your man. I I, I got my sword right here. Just let me at, just let me at that fool. Craig, just stay back here. Help Benny back up on his horse. You kicked him off. I'm going to deal with this fool. I've been waiting a long time and he's going to speak to him and the power of God's going to melt his skin off his body. The greatest the devil had to offer can't even stand up to Jesus' appearance. I'm telling you, I'm telling you that we got, we have power. The church may not look powerful, but we got power. Adam says, Adam, I'm going to give you dominion. You got to use it now. So I want the animal's name, but now because I gave Adam dominion, I can't name the animals. That's why in Genesis 2, 19, it says God brought the animals to Adam to see what he would name them. Why didn't God name them? Because he doesn't have dominion in this realm. You say everything belongs to God? Yes, but no. God can do whatever he wants? Yes, but no. Because he gave dominion to to Adam. So now Adam has to follow that dominion and he has to speak. Now, when he does that, what is he doing? He's, and he had to call. He gave him dominion. He brought the animals and see what he would call them. So he had to use his dominion, Genesis 1, 28, with calling, Genesis 2, 19. Do you see that? Now, now, Adam's fool, they eat the thing, whatever it is, and they get messed up. And he blames his wife and she blames the snake and everybody's blaming each other. And God takes fig leaves and sews them up and kills the lamb and washes, covers their sin and all oh, the thousands of years. And Jesus shows up, the second Adam. And God gave Jesus the second Adam dominion. Let's see what the second Adam does with it. He does it perfectly. He casts out devils, he raises the dead, he heals the sick, he preaches righteous truth, and then he goes and pays the price for me and you because he was without sin and I was with sin and he took my sin on his body and he died. And he removed that separation that I have with God, that every human being has with God, which is sin. He removed it with his blood so I can talk to God again. That's why when I was a child, I was born of the Spirit without intention. Just by being innocent, I'm alive unto God. But then the knowledge of sin comes at a certain age of accountability and I'm separated by God with sin. And then when I intentionally not... Not involuntarily, but voluntarily say, Jesus, wash me with your precious blood. And that blockage between me and God the Father, I'm dead unto God. I have no relationship, but that blood removes that sin. And now I'm born of the Spirit a second time. Because I was born the first time involuntarily by being born in the earth. But now as an as a intentional act, I can say, Lord, make me alive unto you again. By the decision that I say, not just being born as a little baby, but now of an age. And I say, cleanse me with that blood. And now I'm born of the spirit a second time. I am born again. What What does born again mean? You were born of God a second time. First, you had no choice. You were an innocent baby. Second, you have choice by your will to acknowledge the blood of Jesus. Now, when I come into that experience, the dominion that Jesus has given his church comes into me. Now, God can't operate. Are you listening to me? It's not that he's not powerful enough. It's that he cannot because he's chosen to do it this way. 
God cannot come and take care of politics here. He cannot come and cast out devils here. It's not that God's not powerful, but he's in that realm and I'm in this realm. He has dominion in that realm, but he chose to give me dominion in this realm. If he wanted to do it, he would have to keep coming back and forth. But he said, Joe, I'm giving you my dominion. I'm up there. You're down here. You operate as though I would in this earth and I give you my name. So what does Joe do? He has to start calling like Adam. Because when he calls things that be not as though they were, he operates in his dominion. Remember this. Adam called things he could see. Animals. Hey, you with the long neck, come here. And the giraffe came. I'm serious. I'm not making this up. He saw things. He used his dominion. He called them and they came. And then he named them. Pastor Happy, I don't always, in the New Testament, unlike with Adam, I don't always see everything. Adam called what he saw with his dominion and they obeyed. I call what I don't see with my dominion because it's spiritual, not physical. And it will obey me. It will come to me. I call health. I call you. You have to obey me because I've been given dominion. Jesus ain't doing it for me. He's given me the dominion to do it. Now I call health and it obeys and it comes. I call money and it obeys. Now you can get weird and off center and strange with this doctrine, but I'm saying there is a pure middle of the road to it. How many get weird about calling every, every day they're calling money and they're telling their people at work, well, I just call that hundred dollars in. Maybe you need to give it to me. That's not what we're talking about. What I'm saying is in the privacy of my own life, I, I, I can't see certain things, Taylor, but I know that God's promised them to me. So what I do is I start calling them and I say, finances, you come to me in Jesus name. And then I say, I call my budget met. I say health. I can't see you, but I need have a problem here. Now I call you come to me. I use my dominion and I call. And then I say, father, I thank you that my body is healed. And when there's stiffness, I, I use my dominion. I command you to leave me. When there's fear, I command you to leave me. When my children are suffering, I command you to leave me. Praise God. It works in every sphere of life. But you have to call what you don't see, like Adam called what he did see. And you've got to call it with your dominion. And you've got to believe. How do you believe? By meditating in the word. Because faith comes by hearing and hearing by the word. As you believe and start calling with dominion, what you call will obey and come to you. Hallelujah. And this is what separates us from the world. In fact, this separates us from many other Christians. Most Christians just talk about what's happening. How sad they are, how broke they are, how this are, oh, what the government's saying. No, no. But when you understand your dominion, you don't talk about what's happening. You talk about what you're expecting to see. I'm giving you life whether you believe it or not. (laughs) Bill Winston said this, "If if you ever talk like God, you will stand out people will recognize something's different. Not in an arrogant way, but something's different. I, I, I want to I get to the place where my words sound like God. Not just in the pulpit, but in regular life. And I'm working toward it. My wife and I are working toward it. It's very easy when you get real tired. I, I'm just giving you practicals. Oh, I'm so sick and tired. Well, then you'll hear the Holy Ghost real, real soft on the inside say, is that really what you want to say? You want to say that you're sick? And you're t- Lord, that's not what I mean. Now, Jesus, don't be legalistic now. <laughs> really? You're going to tell God not to be legalistic? 
because he, he gets on me on my words. I'm so fed up with this. I'm so tired of this. And I'm not saying that we have to be weird and police, you know, confession police, but I'm just saying the closer you get to God, the more he wants you to sound like him, the more he wants you to talk like him. Stop talking about all the lack of money and start talking about your supply. Stop talking about how you feel in your body and start talking about your healing. Stop talking about how rotten your kids are and start declaring that they're going to serve God and that they're a blessing in your life. It matters what you say. Adam had dominion. He has, you have dominion, Jenny. Jesus, the second Adam, gave it to you. Listen to me as I close. God can't, listen to me. I'm going to say something important, so pay attention. God can't fix everything in your life. What? I thought the Lord was in control. No, he's in control of that realm. He, you are in control of this realm with his power. He can't fix everything in your life because you're sad about it. He can only fix things in your life because you release your faith and you release your dominion and you call for things. He could not name the animals. Adam had to because he gave him dominion. He cannot fix Craig's life independent of my authority. Why? Not because he's weak, but because that's the system that he chose to operate in. I give you my name and my authority and my word. Now what you say, I'll do. But if you don't say it, I won't do it. Oh Lord, it's just, oh Lord, you know the religious person, oh Lord, just, just help me. Oh, oh, oh Lord, just, just help me. And then they put the cat poster up with the cat hanging and it says, hang on. And the cat's hanging on. And, says, and then they cry. Oh, Lord, I'm, I'm hanging on. Lord, I'm hanging on today. The devil's after me, but I'm hanging on. God, don't even hear those stupid prayers. Lord, help me. Lord, deliver me. God, don't answer those prayers. He can't deliver you because he gave you the dominion. You're praying prayers that will never be answered. Are you listening to me? Even things, I'm going to mess with you. Even some people that get excessive like, oh, Lord, protect me. He does protect you, but not because you pray that. You're trying to put it back on him. He said, I give you dominion. You want protection? Don't just keep saying, God, protect me. What you say is, in Jesus' name. Sickness, you go from me. Danger, you move from me. Angels, you go and help me. The blood of Jesus washes, it's covering me. It washed me and it's covering me. And because of my dominion and what I say, with God's power is the thing that does it. But I'm not just putting everything on him. God heal me. God protect me. God do this. He's given me dominion. I need to speak that healing and he'll back me up. I need to speak that protection and he'll back me up. I need to speak that prosperity and he'll back me up. But what most Christians do, they don't want to say anything. They don't want to do anything. They just want everything on God. And that's why it never happens for them. They will live their life sick, broke, and always problems happening because the prayer doesn't answer that way. You can't just put it on God. You've got to use what he gave you and say it and believe it. Then you don't have power, but he has power. Then that power works with your words and it will bring to pass your healing. It will bring to pass your protection. Do you understand? When I get on an airplane, I never say, God, protect me, ever, because that prayer won't get answered. What I do say is, I bind you, devil. This plane ain't going down. I have dominion. Now, I say in Jesus' name, the angels take me to the other side. I say that the pilots are paying attention and that they're not suicidal. 
I say the parts in this plane work and function perfectly. I say I'll get to the other side. I say that God protects me, but you notice I'm saying it. I'm not just saying, oh Lord, please do it. I say it. I say it with authority. And God's power backs me up. And that's why I don't have problems. But don't just throw it on him. You've got to understand, I've given it to you. You've got to say, you can't produce it, Greg. You can't execute it, but you need to believe it and say it. Then God's power comes and executes it. Praise God. Don't say, Lord, heal me. Say, Father, I claim my healing now in Jesus' name. Hallelujah. Praise God. He's not going to take care of the devil for you. You're going to speak and his power is going to drive that thing out. Hallelujah. Father, I've gone over time. But I thank you in the mighty name of Jesus for the great dominion you gave Adam. He lost it, but you gave it to the second Adam, Jesus, and he perfected it. And he died on the cross perfecting it. And he raised up something called the church of the firstborn perfecting it. And he says, I give you authority. Matthew 28. I give you power. Luke chapter 10. I give you my name. Now go use that authority. Call things that are not yet as though they were. Speak to situations. Speak to the invisible realm. Speak to the visible realm. Use what I've given you and I will back you up to the uttermost. What you say, I will bring to pass. What you say, my power will produce and fulfill. Father, this is the message of the New Testament. Jesus, you said, when I return to the earth, that's in the rapture, will I find faith? You're not looking for a lot of other doctrines, but you are looking for faith. Is my church going to believe? Is my church going to speak? Is my church going to understand that they've been given authority? Are they occupying until I come? Are they dominating their sphere of influence until I show up? Lord Jesus, I thank you for the spirit of faith here this morning. That Lord, no matter what we're going through, we're not to blend. We've got leaders to teach that are taking us into the promised land. We are not to be conformed. We are not to be afraid. We're to stand up and what separates us is our speaking and our believing. And we need to call what is not yet as though it already is. And we need to use that dominion that you've given us and not put everything on you, but to start believing and speaking what your word promises and then your power will back us up to the uttermost and manifest what we say. Lord, let this congregation catch it. Let every visitor here catch it. Because Lord, there's not many churches in this city. There are some, but there's not many that teach this type of dominion, this type of word. Because most pastors don't know it themselves. They've never heard of it. But Lord, you put me under Pastor Nancy and Dr. Dufresne and Kenneth E. Hagan. You put me under their teaching. You put me under their mentorship. You put me under their divine association. And what was on Dr. is got on me. And what was on Dad Hagan has got on me. And what is on Pastor Nancy has got on me. And Lord, I'm so excited because I'm seeing this work in my life. I'm seeing this manifest in my own life. I'm seeing how my words are changing situations. How my authority with your power backing me is removing things I need removed. Is adding things I need added. And is changing the landscape of my future. And it will work for every person in the sound of my voice. It is not just for a minister. It is for every believer because every believer has been given authority. And every believer has the Holy Ghost. And every believer has the name and the blood and the angels. 
So, Father, let them lay hold of it today. Let them be excited about it today. Let them leave here going, you know what? I'm going to start speaking more. I'm going to start, instead of putting it all on God, I'm going to start speaking his word and claiming it by faith, and God's going to back me up with his power. I'm going to start calling things that be not as though they already were. In Jesus' name, praise God, I'm healed. Praise God, I'm prospered. Praise God, I'm sound in mind. Praise God, I'm whole. In Jesus' name. Oh, I give you glory and I give you praise.